It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Still working on getting our regular audio quality back time. That's okay. Uh, just like it's just okay because it's spring football time. It's not fall football time. So that's how I'm telling myself it's okay time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, Patrick Brown is about to join us from his undisclosed location. And again, before we get going, I just want to apologize up front. Uh, I've been working on getting a laptop fixed, uh, and it's taken way longer than it should have. It's been an ordeal. I'm sorry. That's why the audio quality has not been what it normally is. It will be fixed very, very soon. But that's okay because Patrick, on the other end, is going to sound just as good as he normally does. So, Pat, what's up, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the people come here to hear our voices, right? They don't care if it's good, bad, or the other. They just want to hear us talk and, and sound good, right? Yeah, I mean, as good as we can sound, some of us can sound uh, better than others can sound, uh, but but that's that's okay. Normally, I need the microphones, the good quality ones to make my horrible voice sound not as horrible, but that's okay. Onward and forward. Tennessee football wraps up spring football with Saturday's orange and white game, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. They're on ESPN uh, plus SEC Network plus all of those pluses there on the digital stream as it's been the past couple of years. What's funny, Pat, is I've said annual orange and white game, just because that's kind of a thing we get used to writing. Oh, Tennessee's getting ready for the annual orange and white game. Well, it hadn't really had one a couple of times recently. It's been kind of one of those deals. There, there's this COVID year. And, and then there was the, the whole, um, you know, not having Neyland ready for construction in time. So they last season, they just kind of did one at the complex. This is an actual spring football game and, and just another sign that perhaps things are getting back to normal for the world and for Tennessee football. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll have a, uh, a revisiting of like the last 10 spring games um, up on the site on Friday morning. And yeah, this is only the second one in what, three years? Obviously, they, the, you know, a pandemic uh, ended one and and then there was uh, last year they had a, a weird – they tried to do, like, a spring scrimmage, like, version of it. Um, but it it really wasn't a spring game. And uh, all I remember from that day is that at one point it was snowing. And then the next moment it was, like, hot because the weather was so weird during the two hours we were out there at a scrimmage at the practice field. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. The weather's supposed to be great, like, almost 80 degrees, I think, sunny. So, uh, you know, it, and if ticket – season ticket sales, which they're almost sold out or any indication, it could be a very good crowd at Neyland Stadium, which is not going to be, it's not going to be all open because uh, they are working on some parts of the stadium, but um, it's, it should be a good crowd and it should be a good day. And, um, you know, people will all, as always, take too much out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, no doubt. But that's, that's the nature of a spring game and, and Tennessee will get to show off some new guys and, and we'll kind of get a, our first look at, at this new look team and, uh, and and see how they in spring. Yeah, that is going to be really interesting because I, 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 there's so many things in terms of the scoring. The, the way that I guess it's been sort of explained to us is that uh, it's going to be complicated. Uh, some guys 
Uh, they're trying to get as much good on good as possible is the way that I understand it. So they're not doing like a, a draft where there's two evenly weighted teams. They're trying to get as much 1v1, 2v2 as possible. But with some of the guys that will be injured, some of those matchups will be unbalanced, obviously, still. And, and some guys will, will be playing for the orange team. And then the white team will figure out what it means. Uh, I, I think it's going to be, if it's like it was two years ago when Heifel's first one, it's going to be like, okay, this drive is for the orange team this drive is for the white team. They're kind of just alternating um, because the the offense will be wearing white, right? And the defense will be wearing orange. So, and, and like I said, they'll, so. they'll, they'll do good on uh, good. On good. Um, I, I think on defense, it'll be important to know that they, if they do what they do in a normal practice, they'll, they'll rotate in. They'll do like line changes in the middle of a series, potentially, uh, particularly on the defensive line. They rotate there. Uh, early in spring, we saw they ran in like a whole new secondary of freshmen at one point, like against the ones. So, um, and, and I think that's that that'll probably continue. So, I, I don't know that it'll be as rigid in terms of ones, two, one, twos, and threes, particularly on defense. Offense, it'll it'll be pretty straightforward. But um, I, this doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, unless they do something different than what they've done in the past. I, I don't think it's going to be a situation where it's like the orange team is the first team offense and the second team defense. Yeah. And the white team is the second team offense and the first, they're not going to do it that way. As far as I understand, it'll just be kind of alternating back and forth who, um, which drive is for which quote unquote team. Yeah. Which is I, all less convoluted than what Butch Jones used to do. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. It, 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 it's funny because I, it's not like it's the end of the world. It's a spring football game. I still kind of like there being a winner and loser though. Right. Like the old tradition where like the, the winner, gets you know the steak and lobster dinner and the loser gets like hot dogs and you know Dooley did water with no ice for the losers and all kinds of fun stuff I mean I I like to think that if you're competing there's something on the line um, because what do you do if it's like the orange is up 42 to 38 and, and the white striving to to try to win the game and then it's like hey they get a touchdown and, and white won but wait we also lost like it's kind of, you know, you want there to, to be something of, of value at the end of a game. So I, I don't know, like, it's not like it's really important because it's a spring game. The important thing is, is looking at which players, you know, perform well, which don't, which have a good day, which ones don't have a good day. That's the stuff that matters, but it's still kind of, I think our brains work better. At least mine does when it's like two teams and, and they're trying to beat each other. Yeah, but <laughs> And I think a lot of people would like to see that too. And, and that's something that that's maybe been talked about a little bit uh, this spring. I know Hugh Freeze brought it up at Auburn uh, as my dog trots by jingling her uh, collar, but um, yeah, to talk, talk about playing basically like another team for a spring game, like basically a spring exhibition game, like Tennessee playing, I don't know. I don't, I don't suppose they would play MTSU, but uh, an in-state team, a group of five team or a, uh, uh, an FCS team I almost asked Josh Heupel about that after the scrimmage last week when this was topical. Um, maybe he'll, maybe he'll get asked about it on Saturday, but um, it maybe it might be easier, but uh, to to do it that way and have like an actual exhibition game um, against a, a Tennessee Tech or what have you. But um, for now, that's that's not what they're that's not how it is, and so everyone's got to adjust. And uh, but really, it, it's it's like spring ball is. You know, I always say it's about individual improvement and it's about in, you know collective improvement. So yeah. You know, if the defense goes out there on Saturday and stinks it up, like you, we don't need to have like a gnashing of teeth, like they're gonna, you know, it's gonna be worse than last year or whatever. 
Um, cause I, I, I would think this, uh, spring game like that there and with this staff in particular, they're going to make, try to make the offense look good. But, um, I mean, the, the best example of spring game, not really meeting a whole lot is two years ago, Hendon Hooker threw a pick six and he only threw five interceptions up the next two seasons. So, um, not always an indicator of what's to come, but it's good to go see guys, how they perform. Obviously, a lot of people will be wanting to see how Nico Iamaliaba plays. Um, there, there's some other young guys on both sides of the ball that, that Tennessee will, uh, Tennessee fans will be eager to see, um, and, it, and it should be a, a good time to uh, kind of see what, what this team that's got a new identity, a new group of leaders, and, a, and sort of a new mindset is. Uh, I think it was Bryson Eason that pointed out, you know, we used to be the hunter. Now we're the hunted. Um, and, and that's sort of got to bring a, a different mindset because you're going to start getting everybody's best shot. You know, this, this is a new team and a new identity. And, uh, and we're going to get to see what some of what they got uh, at the stadium on Saturday. Yeah. And that's kind of a mindset that, that Tennessee basketball and Tennessee baseball have both kind of had to adjust to as well. You know, life is different when you, when you play teams and and you're a top five or top 10 team and, and they, you get a different kind of effort from them. We'd like to think that they're athletes and they're going to give their best every game, but you know, the crowd's a little different when, when you're a highly ranked team, uh, when you're on the road, the, the, the focus of the other teams is often a lot sharper because they got a chance to, you know, be on sports center really soon and do some other things. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. And, and so it, it is a different type of mindset and, and we'll see how this team responds to it. Um, before we talk about, I think in the second segment, Pat, we'll probably talk about some guys that we're looking forward to seeing in the game. But just before we get to that, just we'll do this again after spring camp, obviously. But what what do you think of this spring camp as a whole? You've seen more, obviously, than the rest of us have seen. You know, Ben and I were, were both um, we're, we're both doing a little bit of basketball stuff early on in spring as we often are this time of year when they overlap a little bit. You obviously, as the football beat guy, have been there through the entirety of spring camp that we've been able to, to see anyway. What do you make of what you've seen? What do you like? What do you not like? Has this been the spring it needed to be? Uh, I think it's been what you wanted it to be from Tennessee's standpoint. They, they've had a, 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 I don't want to say an injury list, but there's a, you know, there's a handful of guys out there going to play really important roles on this team. Um, obviously, Brew McCoy has been out. Jabari Small has been out. Aaron Beasley haven't really seen since his first or second week. Um, you know, some other guys in the secondary, a couple of freshmen on the defensive line uh, have not been playing. Caleb Herring's a guy that that the staff and, and people in the program seem to really like and think he can help. Um, as a freshman off the edge, he's been out for a little while with the knee situation. You know, Dante Thornton was a guy that they wanted to see early. He's been dealing with a hamstring deal that, that he's sort of, I think, put behind him now. But um, when you have situations like that, you're going to get uh, guys that maybe weren't expecting to get a whole lot of um, opportunity, get more opportunity. That's why there's been a lot of talk about Deshaun Bishop, the freshman running back from, from Carnes, who's done some good things. Um, you know, these wide receivers, you know, looking at watching practice on Thursday, they had three scholarship guys healthy and available. You know, they had Thornton was in the slot and they had Chaz Nimrod and, and Caleb Webb on the outside. They're getting all these first team reps and, um, you know, it's a chance for them to sort of build their confidence and earn the trust of the staff. And uh, I, I would say the main, probably the main takeaway is just been competition, competition, competition. You, you've got so many more bodies, so many more quality bodies particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, but there's, uh, you know, they're, they're, 
they've, they've just got so many more options now. And they've just sort of, as I mentioned earlier, kind of been throwing these guys out there and seeing what they can do. And um, I, I think they're more athletic on defense. Um, you know, you're looking at, looking at the offensive line, I think is the big competition on that side of the football. They've got a lot of moving pieces there. Addison Nichols has been at center with Cooper Mays out. Cooper Mays comes back. Now Nichols looks like he's running with the first team at left guard. Um, you know, their, their, their tackle spots are still pretty wide open and, 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 you know, no, nobody was going to really, I think, nail down any starting jobs during the spring, but, um, certainly there, there's uh, a lot more talent on this roster. There's a lot better numbers on this roster. Um, and, and I think that this staff has sort of been able to really maximize sort of their mindset of, of everybody's going to work really, really hard, but they're going to have a, a fun time doing it. There seems to be a good chemistry, uh, a good culture where, uh, you have guys competing, but you know there, there's not any ego or any animosity. If if you know if someone that I'm competing for a starting spot for makes a play, I'm going to be over there giving him credit and you know mob at him and and, and things like that. And um, you know, and, and as you touched on earlier, I think there's been a lot of good on good. So um, and, and you know, I think we had a spent a lot of iron sharpens iron phrase uttering from coaches and players, and you know we hear that a lot, but. You, know, you look at a situation like Byron Young going against Darnell Wright all the time. I mean, those guys got each other better and look at them now. So uh, I think there's been a lot of that too. So just with the you know two full recruiting classes, they they brought in a handful of transfers this time to, to plug some gaps. There's just this roster is in a lot better situ is in a much better situation than it has been the, the past two springs. There's not been a, a a situation where you know like two years ago they barely had any linebackers or last year they barely had any cornerbacks. Now they've you know, they may have a dozen guys out, but, you know, they still have enough numbers, enough quality to, to make up for it and, and not be too hamstrung by it. So um, that, that's been probably the biggest thing, biggest takeaway. Uh, I, I, you know, the concerns for me, it's still going to be past defense until they prove otherwise. I think there's, uh, there's reason to be maybe more optimistic about the secondary. Um, there's certainly more reason to be, uh, there's certainly reason to be more optimistic at linebacker, which is another part of the past defense they need to shore up. I think offensively, it's the offensive line. They, they've just got to figure some things out. And it was never going to be a, an easy process to replace two guys like Darnell Wright and Jerome Carvin. Those guys started 40-plus games. Darnell Wright's going to be a first-round pick. You know, he, Mel Kuyper had him as a top-10 pick earlier this week. So, um, and, and Carvin was a guy that really played two positions for you because he could play center and left guard. So, um, th- those are maybe the concerns that I have coming out of spring. And um, But I, I think the, the competition has been really healthy for this roster and um, it, that they've been able to sort of continue to build the culture and find new leaders and, uh, and, and do it all the way that, that hype on the staff want it done. Yeah. Spring to me always seems like it, it, it's kind of a slow burn in a sense that I'm trying to think over the years, the number of times for any team that I've covered when I've gone into a spring saying, Oh, well, they clearly need to identify this, this is a problem. And then by the end of spring, a few weeks later, I'm like, Oh, well, they obviously solved that problem, and now they're they're good to go there. Now they don't have any issues. I don't think there's been many instances in my career that I can remember something being that cut and dry. Like normally what concerns you have going into spring are still to one extent or another concerns after spring. Like I don't right. think – and so what I mean by that is I don't think it is as important as spring is, and it is important, um, you know, that, that period in between spring camp and preseason camp, you can usually, in some cases, do just as much improvement then, and you see a big jump in preseason camp. Like, so I don't think it's a big deal, you know, 
you were talking about the, some of the concerns you have, which are the concerns that I think a lot of people have, myself included, and, and probably a lot of Tennessee fans up front offensively. How do you replace those couple guys? And then what in the hell are you going to do on the secondary to make it better? I mean, those, those are the two areas, you know, you'd like to get a, a little bit more pass rush if you could, you know, without young, that's going to be a, a challenge, but they've got young guys. You'd like to be a little bit more deeper at linebacker, not have to rely on just a couple guys. You know, there, there's other questions like tight end is another big question mark, uh, guys that they're going to have to have uh, step in and replace all the different things that Princeton fan did, or will they have to, to revamp the offense and, and lean more on some of the receivers and backs because they have the ability to do that. So what I'm trying to say is I don't know that there's been like a silver bullet where they've said, oh, man, we're so much better than we were at this position a month ago. Like it, it, the concerns are still the concerns. But I do think what we've seen this spring is at least, as I understand it, a positive step in the direction in terms of getting some answers there, or is it at least some improvement there? Yeah, and, and you know that there are those out there who think that spring football doesn't matter, and, and there's clearly been examples even as recently as this staff that, that prove otherwise. Two of them are Cedric Hillman and, and Jalen Hyatt. I mean, Cedric was a guy that Josh Heupel mentioned over and over again his first spring and you know he wasn't mentioning a whole lot of guys he wasn't going like all Jeremy Pruitt where he was not naming a single name um but you know coaches sometimes are are hesitant to call out too many guys because they're afraid they're going to leave somebody out and somebody's mom or dad is going to get mad um but you know you know Tillman was a guy you could see his breakout season coming just about how much he was talked up you know I think Jalen Hyatt would point to the spring as sort of maybe some of the first rumblings of, of what he was able to do. Um, and, and you can even look at a guy like Tamari McDonald, who, you know, going into the off season a year ago was just a special teams guy. And then he gets, you know, a chance to, to get a bunch of first team reps at that star position. He ends up winning the job and started every game there at that position last season. He was the only guy in the secondary that started every game. Um, so spring matters, but, you know, you're, you're looking at situations like that where guys individually get a chance and, and maybe stake a claim or set themselves up to uh, win a job in preseason. And uh, I think it, it applies to positions as well. And I'll point to running back for this, you know, for this team because, you know, you knew what you had coming back and Shavari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, but you had two guys leaving the portal uh, and you were bringing three freshmen in, what was your, you know, what what was the back end of your running back rotation, your back end of your running back depth going to look like? And I think they probably feel better about it now, um, now that they've seen Cam Selden do some things and get the ball in his hands, now that they've seen Deshaun Bishop sort of show uh, what he did at Carnes, can, you know, he he can sort of replicate some of those things and be a, a guy that's not flashy but effective at this level. And then they've got Khalifa Keith coming in in the summer as well. So that that's, you look at individual situations and you look at, uh, collective position situations is um, things that that um, <clears throat> that that happen in spring that that translate or carry over to the fall. And I think you would even point out, um, you know, Tennessee's defense has talked about how they made stopping the run such an emphasis last season or last off season. They were second in the, in the league in rushing and run defense. So obviously, the, the points of emphasis this off season have been, you know, getting better with a the four-man pass rush and, and being tighter in coverage. We've seen them drill a lot of man coverage and zone coverage techniques, both, you know, the linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks, all those groups. Uh, Amari Thomas had an inter- interesting point on Thursday. He said that Robert Ayers, uh, who was obviously a great player at Tennessee, yeah. is, has really kind of helped defensive line improve some of their pass rush techniques, how they use their hands. 
hands, um, what they're looking for, maybe be a little bit more active as opposed to just sort of washing the football as you rush. And um, so, you know, the, the, there's things that you work on. There's things that, that coaches pinpoint, you know, after they, after they do a deep dive self scout from last season and, and they sort of tailor their practice plans, even in the spring to, to work on those things. And, and that's the kind of progress you want to make. It's incremental progress. And um, to use an analogy that Josh Heupel uses, this is the second quarter of, of the off season, right? Winter workouts is the first second, you know, this, this is the second quarter the summer is the third quarter and, and the fourth quarter is camp. You know, it matters the most in the fourth quarter, but you know, what you do in the second quarter of a game matters. So this is um, a, a time of year that's important. And, and I think Tennessee has done a good job of, you know, they've had some adversity and, and maybe things not be perfect, but you know, they, they've still been able to, uh, to make the most out of it. And, and I think they're pleased with what they've done so far. Yeah. Cause you, you can look at it from one end and say, it's frustrating that, you know, your number one receiver and, and at least your number one returning running back are, are both out this spring. Um, but that's also you could look at it the exact opposite way and say it's a hell of an opportunity for some of the guys behind them to step in. And right. Get some, it's it's right. opportunity is nowhere. Or opportunity is now here. Right. You're darn right. You're darn right. And, and honestly, uh, since we're kind of without our normal equipment and we don't have the, the normal Derek Dooley bringing us into the podcast, uh, so I, I think it's good to uh, it's good to make sure that we've we've reminded everyone that he was Tennessee's football coach and that he had some some really, really fun things that he did during his time with the Vols. But I think your point there is, is right, Patrick. I, I think that there's you look at things in the spring as sort of a continuation of the offseason and they're kind of one part of it. They're, they're a little snapshot of it. And, and, and it's it's the most visible one in terms of the media seeing it in terms of the public seeing it certainly with the orange and white game. So, so it it can be the most visible one for fans, not necessarily the most important one. They're all equally important probably, but it's the one people see and it's the one that's going to get people's minds. Like if Joe Milton throws three picks in this thing and Nico Iamaliaba throws for like 280 yards and four touchdowns, there's obviously going to be conversation in the off season because that's what people are going to do. And they're not necessarily wrong to do that, even if we all know, most of us do anyway, that unless Joe Milton really screws the pooch or gets hurt, this is his football team. So, so I think that those are some of the interesting things to note going into it. But there's a whole lot else to, to talk about it, too. There's guys that we are excited to see in this game. And I think that's something that I want to talk about here in the second segment, because there are guys that we'd like to see and we won't be able to see in this game, but there are some guys that we'd like to see and we will be able to see in this game, in this scrimmage. So we're going to step away for just one second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera. And then we'll come back and talk about that here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location 
and we are talking Tennessee football heading into the orange and white game on Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus, all of those things you can get through the ESPN app on your various devices. Uh, I know you can use your, uh, whether you use like it's on your TV or your, 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 your computer, your smartphone, it's sort of the same thing that it is with the Go Boss 24-7 podcast. There's about a million different ways to get there, um, but you can get there at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, or you can go spend the $5 and get into the game itself right there at Neon Stadium. It's not going to be a full house because they're not going to be able to have a full house, but it's nice weather. Should be a good crowd. Lots of fun things to talk about, and we'll get right back to that as soon as I remind y'all just for a minute here. You can take about 60 seconds out of your day. Go go in there, rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate it, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, or anywhere that you can get podcasts, anywhere you can cast the fine pod, you can find this this podcast. Uh, we're, we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love, no complaints, but since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends, tell people you see around town, tell people you see at the golf course. I know golf courses are, are more populated with the weather getting nice. Uh, you see people walking your dog uh, around. Uh, we haven't been able to, to walk Gus as much lately because his back wheels aren't working so great. But uh, for people who you go out there and walk your dog, you, you see them, you see people out there eating lunch uh, around town. You see people walking in and out of work. Wherever you see people wearing Tennessee gear, tell them about this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Please do that. It helps us out a tremendous amount. If you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. And if not, well, we award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Pat, who are some players in this game that will be available to play in this game that you will be excited to watch in this game? Wes, I'll start with the obvious one. Nico Yamaliava, he's uh, he's, he's going to be the main attraction. Uh, the lowest hanging possible fruit there for me to start off with. Um, look, I, he's he's really really smooth, um, and he has maybe not always been the best practice field guy, um, but I think he's had some pretty good moments in, in both the scrimmages. Um, my concern is that he could be throwing to some walk on wide receivers. Uh, and I'm not talking about like Jack Jancic walk on wide receivers. Yeah, because that because Jack Jancic <laughs> balls, bro. He balls. Uh, a spring game legend, Jack Jancic, who he's got I think he had three touchdowns in this thing before. Yep. Um, but he's been out all spring. Uh, but you know, people are going to want to see him, and you know, there, there's going to be sweeping generalizations made either way. You know, if he if he doesn't look good, it's oh they overpaid eight million, whatever, all that crap. Um, which is, you know, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, or if he, or if he balls out, like you mentioned earlier, it's going to be how long before he's starting, which uh, I don't think either of those are going to be realistic reactions, uh, in terms of like what's actually going to happen, but, uh, the, the reactions themselves might be realistic. So, um, I'm excited to see him. Obviously, I, you know, I think Tennessee's pleased with, with what they've seen from him and sort of how he's settled in and, and gotten his feet under him this spring. Um, I, I, if, you know, there's not many guys, I think to point to a wide receiver, but I'll, I'll go with Dante Thornton. I don't know how much scrimmage work. Oh, that was my guy. That was my guy. You I don't know guy. how much scrimmage work they've got out of him, but I mean, watching him run routes, he is long, fluid athlete. Um, he, uh, he, they've got him listed at six, five. It feels like he's like six, nine. Like he just has, you know, he's able to pluck the ball out of the air and, 
Um, it, it's kind of funny to watch him run routes and then squirrel run routes because they yeah. could not be more different body types as slot receivers. Um, but um, it, because he's maybe not gotten a lot of scrimmage work, uh, I would probably put him on there. Uh, I'll go with two more things. I'm interested to see all of the linebackers. Uh, I, Aaron, we're not going to see Aaron Beasley on Saturday. We might not see Keenan Peely. So it could be a pretty young position group. But uh, Elijah Herring is a guy that, that we've heard had a good spring. Um, Arian Carter, if you've not bought your sock, you're probably too late already um, because yeah. everyone in the program has sort of the same reaction when you ask about him. They're like, this guy's going to be awesome. He's going to be a stud. That's the response. Um, and so, I, you know, if he if he popped up and made a play, had a pick, something like that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and, and then I want to see some of the matchups that, that you know in those uh, those those pass rush situations. You know, we, we've uh, you talked about it earlier. They've got to replace Byron Young. You know, who's going to be their edge guys? Um, you know, Amari Thomas was was glowing about Tyree West on, on Thursday. He's a guy that I thought could could. Uh, could maybe make a move. You know, a lot of people have been curious to see how Josh Josephs and James Pierce Jr. have uh, come along. So, uh, and then uh, we you know, we've then, heard recently though that Pierce has some 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 growing up to do in terms yeah, of security things they're working on. Yeah, it might be. You know, there was some positive. Uh, you know, Rodney Garner was more positive about what Pierce had done earlier in the spring. Mike Eckler on Thursday was a little more down. So. Um, that, that might just be how it is with him. It might be a little up and down as he sort of works through growing, you know, the growing up processes, um, you know, a a good way to describe it. And, you know, it's, it happens. It's, it's natural with guys, you know, we've, we've both covered college football long enough to know that there's some guys that the light comes on at different times for them. So, uh, you know, those matchups, those offensive tackles, which I, I think, you know, those four guys have there, has there been a lot of situation or separation, excuse me. Uh, with Gerald Mincy, Jeremiah Crawford, you know, John Campbell Jr. is the um, the the transfer from Miami that started 12 games at left tackle. Uh, Dane Davis was a guy that Cooper Mays said would, would be his most improved player, like I don't know, on the offense, maybe on the team. So, um, you know, th- those are four guys there that, that Tennessee is just sort of letting it kind of see where the cards fall and, and letting it go from there. And so, you know, who, who wins some of those battles? Can Tennessee get some sacks? or, you know, get close enough to record some sacks or, or can those tackles hold up pretty well? I think there's been some back and forth between those two position groups. So that, that, those are maybe some matchups. If there was, if I was making a list of matchups to watch, that would probably be the top one. Um, but certainly uh, those three players, they're all newcomers, of course, which is pretty natural for spring ball. But um, uh, those are three guys that I would, I would be keeping an eye on as I, as I went to the stadium on Saturday. Yeah, it's funny because I, I thought you might say, Iamaliava first, so I was willing to concede that one. I was hoping you weren't going to say Dante Thornton too, because I, that was I didn't know big. we were doing a draft. I just thought no, I was we, 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 we weren't. No, 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 we weren't. I was just thinking in my head of how it might go, and much like the best laid plans, you know that we we all know that analogy. Uh, but Dante Thornton is a kid that every time I get a, a peek of, of him playing football, I want to see him playing football more. Like every time I see him doing something, I think man, I, I, I want to watch him go do more stuff. Can he just run every route so I can watch him go pluck the ball out of the air? He's just one of those guys who gets your attention. And it really makes you wonder why some of the numbers at Oregon weren't bigger because there's got to be something there, whether it's, you know, I guess some injuries here and there or some growing up or, or whatever it was. Because in terms of pure talent, my goodness, that kid has talent coming out of his ears. He, he's one that I definitely – 
definitely want to watch. I was also going to talk about Arian Carter, but you've done a really good job of that. He's a guy who is kind of indicative of what I think is going to be the case for a lot of Tennessee's position groups this season. There are going to be positions where the younger guys have less experience, but probably have more physical ability. And I don't know that we've seen that at Tennessee in a little bit. I don't know that we've seen some of the most talented guys being the youngest guys. Uh, So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic of the push and pull, I think, of do you go with the vets? Do you go with the young guys? Do you mix it up a little bit? And I'm sure it'll be case by case. But I just think that's something to – if you're talking about, like, global thoughts on this Tennessee football team right now, I would say – they've done a really nice job of recruiting and identifying some of these young talents and they might be pushing some of these vets seriously for playing time. I think that's going to be one thing to watch as this progresses. Um, but one name that I, I, I know you didn't mention and a guy who I'm always going to mention is Jordan Thomas. I really want to watch that guy play again. Every I time thought you were going to, I thought you were going to go Elijah Simmons again. Well, no, I mean, I'd like there's some get, chatter. He's had a good spring. That, that's a given. Elijah Simmons is number one with a bullet on every list that I ever make about any sport in Tennessee. It's like, who would you like to have pinch hitting in the situation? Elijah Simmons. Who would you like at the free throw line with the game on the line? Elijah Simmons. It's just a given. He's going to be number one every time. Um, but we'll say number two because all-time number one is Elijah Simmons. Uh, I, I would say Jordan Thomas is up there for me. Uh, just watching him, Pat, you, you, you do the, those great breakdowns after every game. Uh, and it's one of the best things that we have at GoVols 24-7. I'm sure it's a pain to do, but it's worth it. It's really, really good and insightful. So it, it truly is a labor of love. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a labor. I can tell while you're reading it. You can. It's always good when you can read something. Because so, sometimes we put a lot of work into things and they don't look like, like they took a long time to do, but they did that thing it looks like it took a long time to do just looking at it. Um, but you can see, and you've done some of these cutups before and, and just things that we've watched during the year, Jordan Thomas on special teams. I don't know that I've seen many guys who look that good on special teams early in their career, who didn't turn into something later in their career on offense or defense. When you see a guy who pops that much on, on special teams and you know, he's a defensive player at some point in his career, Maybe it's a Tennessee. We'll, we'll see. You never know at the portal these days, yada, yada. But at some point, that kid's going to play safety somewhere, and he's going to be good. He runs well. He might play he star, too. Well. Yeah, he can play star. He's a really smart kid. He knows the D. He's picking up the defense quickly. He knows where he needs to be. He runs. He hits. He's got good length. I just really like him as a prospect. I always have. And, and I, he was one of those guys who last year I saw him on the practice field and said, I think he's going to be good. So I'll be interested to see how he kind of fits in with that secondary because, you know, that secondary is the good news is a lot of those guys are back. Bad news is maybe a lot of those guys are back. You know, that's kind of, I hate to put it that way, but that's kind of the story. Those guys have a lot of experience. A lot of it's not pleasant experience. So will those guys be the same guys on the field next season or will some of these young cats come in and take away their spots, you know, well, or young cats. I, I say young cats. There's Gabe Judy Lally, who's at his third school now. He's got a degree from Vanderbilt, and he's, you know, obviously he's smarter than us, that's for sure. Yeah, he's smarter than us for sure. Um, and, and he, so he's going to be a guy who's going to be in the mix, and he's not a young cat, he's a vet. So I, I'm interested to see with that secondary how they start kind of finding a pecking order there. Because the good news is they got a lot of options. They really do. They've got a lot of guys who can play different positions. But 
are they good enough to what you would want to have to compete for a championship at the SEC level and national level? I don't know. That's a tough ask for me. Those guys would have to get a lot better in order to make that kind of claim. So uh, are they okay with being a weak link on the team or are they going to do the things they need to do this offseason to improve in order to avoid that? So if those young guys can come in and really, really push them, then I think that's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, and that, that I would say competition that I touched on earlier, that that's probably the main position because, you know, we heard it last week from William Martinez and several players that, like, they're just like, we're not putting any labels on anything. Nobody's a one, nobody's a two. We're just rolling guys in there. So I think you could see some of those guys um, get first-team reps, and, and you'll probably see it Saturday, too, if, if Tennessee only has three healthy scholarship wide receivers, then you're going to want – you know, some of the, you're, you're going to want as many of your corners as you can to get to go against those guys to get, you know, something out of it. So, um, you know, Jordan Matthews and, and Ricky Gibson are, are, are two guys I really like. Yes. Um, yeah. Back there. But, you know, are, are they good enough to come in and take over right away or, or do they just do what you kind of touched on and push some of those older guys to be better, be more consistent, maybe be less erratic in the case of a guy like Kamal Haddon? Uh, you know, time's going to tell, but. Um, that, that's such an interesting situation to me. And, and we should point out here that the transfer portal window opens up on Saturday. So yes. um, uh, I'm not saying there's going to be an exodus at cornerback for Tennessee, but uh, if you were pointing to a position or two, that would probably be one of them uh, to maybe see if there is some attrition. There's been some guys that haven't practiced this spring either uh, due to injury. So um, I, I will throw out a couple more names, uh, maybe more under the radar guys to watch on Saturday. Um, Addison Nichols is a guy, I don't know how much under yeah. the radar he is. Um, but he, he could be out there with the first team at, at left guard. Um, you know, former four-star guy, people, you know, some people complain about how Glenn Ellaby is recruited. Um, there's a, there's a four-star guy right there that, that could be making some noise in his second season. Um, and, and then I'll go look at defense and, and point out a guy and Andre Turrentine that's, uh, wasn't much of a factor beyond special teams last season. How open are those safety jobs? I'll believe it when I see it. Some yep. people think they might be a little bit more open than I do. Willie um, likes the vets. Willie likes the vets. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think he and, and maybe Christian Charles back there. Uh, and, and Jordan Thomas, too. You mentioned, he. you know, is he a star? Is he a safety? Where would he go in first? You know, where is he in that pecking order? Um, and, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out Jackson Ross because, A, he was a great interview on Thursday. B, he's Australian, which means he's more awesome than all of you. And C, yeah. if he punts as good as he talks, since he's going to, you know, they, they don't punt very much, but when they do, you, you know, don't use that time to go to the bathroom or go get a beer during the game. So he can um, bomb it. He can bomb it. Right. Um, and so, you know, will he, he, he might get some looks um, and, and we'll get to see some, some Aussie punting at Tennessee for the first time. Punter U has never had an Aussie. So I guess they've gone global now. Yeah, they have. They have gone global. It's uh, it's punter U international now is what mm-hmm. it is basically. And and yeah, I, I was actually I should have asked him. I, I did a little bit of yard work recently, and there were some snakes that I found in the yard. And I was like, "You're Australian. Can you drive over here? Just it's just a couple miles from campus, and, and come eradicate these snakes from my yard." I, he's Australian. Bet, he probably could. Well, he's probably like you're a sissy. In in my garden, in Australia, we have three different kinds of snakes that can kill you. Exactly. Exactly. And here, <laughs> here, not so much. 
Well, it's it's an NIL opportunity. He can he can critter wrangle. He can come in there and do some of that stuff. But no, I mean, I think it is interesting because I think there's a lot of things he can do. And he, he's an Australian guy and he's got a mullet. So that's always fun. Uh, and, and, I, you know, it was, it was good talking to Charles Campbell, too, a little bit on uh, on Thursday about just sort of his journey. And, you know, Mike Eckler saying that, you know, the kid grew up a Tennessee fan from Jackson, Tennessee. That's obviously a, a huge, huge hub. You know, Tennessee uh, is very, very popular there. UT is. And the kid didn't work out to come to Tennessee originally. He goes to Indiana, has a really nice career. But then he gets the offer from Tennessee out of the portal and it makes his mom cry. And, and so that lets you know what what these situations can mean for some of these guys. And so uh, it, it's interesting to hear him say also that he, he's been playing in the Big Ten for four or five years. So he's had 100,000 people boo at him. But in Indiana, uh, they don't quite have 100,000 people there to cheer him on when he makes field goals. So that's going to be something interesting for him in his career. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see those guys get a little bit of work in as well. But, I, you know, we'll have a lot more time to discuss what we made of the spring overall. Uh, you know, I think it's something that there will be a lot of storylines coming out of the orange and white game. And, and then we'll have to do the kind of filtering job we always do after every spring and say, hey, guys, that was one day out of 15. And really, it was one day out of like 200 in the offseason. So let, let's chill a little bit on some of this stuff. It's more important than the average day, but it's not everything. Uh, what it is, it's a good opportunity for guys to get out there and see what it's like to compete on the grass at Neyland Stadium with fans at, out, out there um, and, and maybe not as quite as much pressure as you're going to obviously see during the season. But we, we have so many storylines out of spring camp. We'll go break it down by position. We'll do all kinds of other things. But for right now, I think we're just excited to get to see this thing. Uh, it, it's It's nice to see Tennessee football being back in a place where it is relevant where people are going to want to watch it. I think the Hypo brand of football has been established as a really, really fun one, a really exciting one. It's one of those teams that even if you're not a Tennessee fan, you don't feel one way or the other about them. When you're flipping the channels, if you're a football fan and you like points and you like fun football, you're going to want to watch them. You know, it's kind of been, been become one of those things. So it'll be good to see uh, how much, if any, entertainment they give us Saturday. I think they'll keep it pretty vanilla, but you never know. Yeah, and you know, good vibes only. So, I mean, that's that. Uh, and, and how can there be only good vibes? Uh, how, or why wouldn't there be anything else after an eleven-win season? So, um, this program has obviously gone a long way in a short period of time, and and now it's about keeping the train on the tracks and uh, not doing anything to screw it up. I so, agree. With I'm sure the coaches will. The first thing they'll want to do uh, on Saturday is get through it with no injuries. Uh, and then nobody that like, you know, you don't want somebody to, to have such a big day that they get tampered with and go in the portal, uh, which is that going to be, that's probably got to be a concern. These My coaches God, are paranoid. Is, it is a thing now. It probably is right? a thing now. I mean, cause we're talking about the same group of people who every day, and I was just, <laughs> I was laughing about this with, uh, before we recorded this, I, I was on quickly with the guys at one Oh four, five in Nashville and talking about how, you know, every day Tennessee does that zone read stuff with the quarterbacks. And anytime they have the slightest wrinkle in there, they want no pictures, no photos. And in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, I've seen a hundred other teams do exactly what you're doing right now. I don't think and you did it in games last year that yeah, teams have, have just studied. Yeah. I don't think you're reinventing the wheel here, but it's usually not worth arguing about. So I just move on to, and record something else or photo something else. But it's like, 
you're not really uh, well but this is the kind of people this is the world they live in it is and with the portal on top of that pat it's another thing that is just what it's just 365 paranoia well i saw that pointed out when going back to the discussion about should like should tennessee and sec teams play like group of five scs teams in spring games i'm like i read something where one of the concerns on the other end was like if you're at you know if you're at mtsu and you got this receiver who catches six passes for 152 touchdowns on Tennessee, that guy is going to get blown up. And if, if he does that in a spring game, he's going to get blown up and he's probably going to transfer and play somewhere else. Like, and if you're a coach at that level, you're already got to worry about getting your best guys poached. Don't why give them another platform in which to get poached from. And it's probably less of a concern at a place like Tennessee, but um, yeah, you know, you don't want yeah, somebody yeah, going yeah. – as, as much as I love the NIL era and think it's long overdue, it's an absolute nightmare for lower-level college coaches. It is an absolute nightmare because you spend years and you find these gems, these diamonds in the rough, who who guys who other people overlooked, and then you get them, and then they have one good season, and then they go somewhere else. And it's just kind of like it sucks, man. It's part of it, right? I mean, that's the, the natural order of things in the food chain. Again, to quote – the great Derek Dooley, it's Darwinism. It's kind of, that's the world we live in now. It's, you know, it's what would Dooley say? It's ain't socialism, fellas. You know, I mean, he, you know, you go out there and you, if you, somebody has a better opportunity somewhere, then they're going to take advantage of it. And that's life. But we will see. We'll have a lot of portal stuff to discuss. We'll have a lot of stuff about the game and about spring in general to discuss. But for now, I think we're excited to just get there and see it. So, Pat, unless you've got anything else, I think we can get out of here. No, if you if you guys out there listening see Wes on Saturday, say hey. Please don't ask for ask for a picture too. Please do not do that. <laughs> I th- I always get weird when people do that. It's always I'm like really, you love the attention. Don't lie to me. I honest to God don't. People think I do, and I <laughs> honest to God do not. I would rather just kind of be there. But regardless, you want to no, you want to go on all the big orange caravan stops uh, so that people can see you. I'm just kidding. Oh God, I really don't want. Uh, that's coming up too. Oh, next uh, week. Yeah. Next week yeah, they'll be in Memphis yeah. on on Tuesday night. Yeah, there you go. And uh, maybe LeBron will show up. You never know, right? Well, what is it? Lakers and six. That's what the guys on the team from Memphis. Have been I don't want to talk about six. it. Bryce and Eason, <laughs> Amari Thomas. I used to refer to you guys as proud Memphians. I don't think I can do that anymore. Yeah, they've lost their status. They've lost it. They're just Memphians good. now. They're not proud. <laughs> Thanks, their Pat, civic pride that. is gone. Good to good to catch up with you, Pat. We'll see you here. Stolen by LeBron James. Guess we'll see you here in like a day or so. See you, bud. Yeah. Bye. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.